Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 27 of the View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm getting geared up for a pretty intense week, but I got some time right now. And what better way to spend it than here with you? There, there, there is no better way to spend it, Dave. Uh, the two of us sitting down, having a good old-fashioned chat about some Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. But before we do that, Dave, as always, okay, as almost always, there have been a week or two where we didn't do it, but this isn't going to be one of those weeks. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is Iron Fist. Obviously. Obviously. You probably could have guessed that. Yeah, I mean, I, we I, I think that that, is, uh, that holds true to our pattern. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it's going to hold true to the pattern, here's what it's going to be. Is that you and I are going to talk about Iron Fist in a very vague way this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Yes, okay. So, things about Iron Fist. It's great. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, yeah, I really, really dug it. And, I okay, I was a little bit apprehensive because there was a lot of critical, like, kind of hand-waving about it. Like, oh, it's not very good, and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, a bunch of people are talking about how it's, like, dumb. It turns out, those people are all dumb idiots. Because Iron Fist was friggin' great. Yeah, no. I'm not done with it no, yet. No, I was gonna we say, finished... you haven't finished it yet, right? Yeah, I'm up through episode nine. Okay, I finished it yesterday, which... Means that basically, I, I got home from work, I turned on Iron Fist, I watched it until I went to bed, and then I got up the next day and I watched it until it was done, only to take brief breaks to eat uh, corned beef sandwiches, because the office party ordered way too much corned beef for St. Patrick's Day, so I just hey, came nice. home with like a pound of corned beef in a bag. No, that's solid, that's solid. Oh, that's right, because you work in a fun office. Yeah, hashtag fun office. Hashtag fun office. No, Iron Fist is great. It's... Okay, here is the only thing that I think I can kind of get get into the head a little bit of the critics is that the Daredevil was the first one, right? right? And Daredevil was like, everybody was sort of like blown away because nobody quite, I think, had a handle on how good Daredevil was going to be. Yeah, we weren't expecting then, it. We were expecting basically like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. level quality and we got Daredevil level quality, which... If you haven't watched those two shows, there's there's a difference. Yeah, there is. And I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Daredevil is way better. And then Jessica Jones came out, and it was dealing with, like, all sorts of super intense issues, like, about, like, people and stuff. And also, it co-starred David Tennant, who's incredible. Yeah, every, everybody in that show was really good. And I think people were sort of similarly surprised that not only one of these shows was good, but that, like... It seemed as though they were all going to be good and, like, yeah. you know, there, there was no sort of sophomore slump. Exactly. And then Luke Cage came out and it was, like, so artistically fantastic and, like, amazing. And it's, like, in Harlem. And it's dealing with, like, questions of, like, race relations and blah, blah, blah. But it's also a superhero show and all of these things. Like, you know, it was incredible. And then Iron Fist came out. And I think the only thing with Iron Fist is that... It's not an A double plus. It's like an A minus B plus. Yeah. Iron Fist it is good. It was still it's prob- great. It's probably the least good of the like Marvel Netflix shows, but that still means that it's good. To me, at least. And I'm, yeah. I'm willing to accept the fact that, like, listen, Iron Fist is one of, like, my, like, I love Iron Fist a lot. So I'm willing I to am super give Iron Fist. a lot of credit to a show, like, just because it has these characters in it. Yeah. I, I, no, I liked I, it a lot. I could have I done with a little the only thing, more kung fu. That is my only complaint. I just really wanted it there. I wanted more martial arts. 
But I think everything. I would enjoy every show with 75% more kung fu. I'd probably watch Law & Order if it had more kung fu. Like... That's I just true. love I love martial arts. Just yeah, I'm exactly. just imagining other shows that I would love to see a bunch more kung fu in. Like I don't watch Hannibal, but if Hannibal was 75 percent more kung fu, I might watch it. <laughs> I believe it's still on, there. on Hannibal, dude. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought I thought Iron Fist was great, and there was one other thing. And like, listen, there there's a whole bunch of like like heavy complaints that people made about it and i have thoughts on those i don't want you to think i don't we're just not going to talk about them on this show because this is not the format for those opinions but there is one thing i will say which is uh the the star of the show finn jones he somebody mentioned that he had said well we didn't make the show for the critics you know we made it for the fans and whoever was writing this article like gave him some static about that like not to his face obviously but like they said, oh, you know, you didn't make it for the critics, blah, blah, blah. As though that's like an illegitimate thing to say, which is nonsense. Because we know for a fact that actors and production companies do make things for critics. Like, we call those things Oscar bait. We know that they exist. Don't, like, you don't get to just throw out as though saying to yourself, you know what, we're not going to worry about what the critics think. We're just going to throw in stuff for the fans. As though that's somehow an insane thing. That is a very good point. I feel like I never think about it from that angle. That like some things are 100% made for the critics. I was listening to... What was I listening to yesterday that they were talking about that? Oh, it was an episode of Cool Games Inc. And they were talking about... Like somehow they got on this jag where they were talking about like the official like critical reviews for Pokemon the first movie. And like they were reading like Robert like Roger Ebert's review of Pokemon the first movie. And they're like, yeah, sometimes like it sounds like crazy, but sometimes things like legitimately are not meant for the critics. Like this one. Yeah. It's just like, like, what did you think you were getting into? (laughs) It's called Pokemon Roger Ebert. It's not for you. Unless Roger Ebert is secretly a giant Pokemon fan, which I know desperately hope is true. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Iron Fist. Lots of fun. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it more next week because there are some heavy duty like fan service moments in there that I thought fan service in like it's a service for the fans, not fan service in the more anime sense. There are some like real intense fan moments in that show. We're going to be excited to talk about them next week. But for this week, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Second star of the week, Dave, is another thing that has recently come to Netflix. It is not a Netflix original series, but it is uh, the first two seasons of something that existed on the El Rey Network. Um, All right. We're now on Netflix. Dude, Lucha Underground. I know I've talked about it before. It's been a while since we've you talked to any wrestling on this show, but Lucha Underground is now on Netflix, and I could not be more excited. The only reason that I haven't like sat down and watched the first season of Lucha Underground in this weekend is because I was busy with Iron Fist. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Dude, that's rad. Yeah, li- well, because I've been meaning to watch it. So, yeah, yeah, like, like I've been meaning to watch it. It sounds super, super cool, but I just, you know, I haven't had access to it. I haven't had time, whatever. Oh, yeah, whatever. when I was watching it before, I was digging up like videos on daily motion because I don't have cable and it's on the El Rey network, even if I did have cable. And like, there was just no sort of convenient way for me to get at it. And I didn't want to pirate right. it. Well, okay, I, I guess like I just admitted that I was watching it on daily motion, which is like the grayest of like video streaming yeah sites. that's really close but um not but dude like i i re-watched that first episode <laughs> and like not like the action is great and it's just so fun because i've been watching a lot of like wwe stuff recently and it's so fun uh-huh. to watch a wrestling show that treats everything that's happening like it's a tv show and not like it's things that are really happening Oh, okay. You know, like, listen, at the end of WWE yeah, no, stuff, absolutely. like, nobody walk. Okay, actually, this isn't 100% true, because sometimes there's, like, swamp cult leaders and, like, undead cowboy morticians. But um, there is a, like, sense to Lucha Underground that you don't get in WWE. Because the end of the first episode of Lucha Underground is the, the promoter of the... Um, promotion i guess the, the guy who runs it dario mm-hmm. cueto 
walks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like a, a skull thrown or something, right? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Bill Morates. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> He's like secretly the devil or something. Well, uh, his name translates to A Thousand Deaths. And he isn't in yes. the first episode of Lucha Underground. Because at the end of the first episode, um, Dario Cueto goes back to talk to Chavo Guerrero Jr. And says, like, hey, you were supposed to beat your opponent, uh, who I think was Blue Demon Jr. And, yeah, it was Blue Demon Jr. And so he says, like, since you weren't able to beat him, I, I am now forced to bring someone else in. And once this man is here... No, like, I will not be able to stop him. And a thousand deaths <laughs> like, may is... be coming for us all. Uh... <laughs> anyway, Lucha Underground rules, you guys. I'm super excited because I watched, like, the first half of the first season and sort of fell off because it was such a pain to watch. And now I actually get to, like, sit down and watch it. And I am. I could not be more excited. Uh, nice, man. No, you know what? At some point, you should come over and we'll watch it together. And it'll uh, it'll be really great. But... We'll do that some other time, but right now, Matt, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is this is this is the, uh, a double header here. It's another wrestling thing. Oh, okay, hit me. Um, so the WWE has recently released a series of four short videos uh, that are like they are obviously like a joke thing. They are claiming to be like the lost tapes of this southern regional wrestling promotion called Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the conceit of this show is that the WWE has found, like, in their tape archive, these old recordings of a southern regional wrestling promotion called Southpaw Regional Wrestling. Okay. Um, and, like, there is no actual wrestling in these videos. It's all just, like backstage interviews with the characters and um john cena as lance catamaran the like announcer for the thing there's another okay he has an announcing partner but he's wearing like a big wig and glasses and i legitimately cannot tell who it is it might be fandango um wow but so it just goes backstage and it's like you know it is the you know it's all the wrestlers from wwe but instead of rusev coming out as rusev in 2017 it is rusev coming out as like big bartholomew the like western farmer in like overalls and a straw cowboy hat talking about how much he loves america and needs to save his farm from the evil banker and then the evil banker comes out and says that they have to like have a fight to see who's going to own the farm but the evil banker <laughs> is secretly not going to fight him himself the evil banker is secretly going to throw in his ringer, who is a creature from the sea called Sea Creature. <laughs> uh, anyway, South Bar Regional Wrestling. It's like four five-minute videos on YouTube. It's not long. It's very fun. I think the most WWE thing about it is that each one of them also, in the course of these short videos, manages to have a short commercial for KFC, like just right in the middle. Because there is no circumstance in which WWE will not sell sponsorships, particularly to fast food chains. Really? Is that a... I did not know that that was their real, like, hardcore demographic. Oh, dude, there are times where I'm, like, watching a, like, a full-on pay-per-view. There was a match in, I think it was, like, if it wasn't WrestleMania last year, it was a different sort of... Um, pay-per-view around that like same high time profile yeah in which the miz dressed up like a chicken and dolph ziggler dressed up like colonel sanders and they had a match like as a commercial for kfc wow yeah, it's 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 a full thing so the fact that they managed to sneak that into these southpaw tapes really like seals the deal on it being like classic <laughs> wwe content and I, I think that the, the most notable thing about it is that it's WWE content that is meant to be funny, and it is actually funny. Because nine times out of ten, when WWE tries to be funny, it's so, like, horrible and forced. Anyway, it's it may not be your cup of tea, it's good. but it's goofy and it's fun, and you should check it out. Dave, what is our third star of the week? Fourth. Fourth star of the week. Our fourth star of the week, Matt, is two, just like two my personal life-related things. The first is that, like I said earlier, I am gearing up for a big week because it's show week. So I am just going to have 
it's just, it, show week is nuts, man. Anybody who's ever been involved in theater will be able to tell you the whole week is just going to be an insane flurry of activity. Uh, I am gonna, I'm going to be working like 13, maybe 14 hour days trying to like get all of my regular stuff done and also get the show on, on the ground. But it's going to be super rad. Like I said before, we're doing much ado about nothing, which I'm excited about. But the set is finally coming together, and my technical director built, like, a dorm room, and we ordered all of this fake grass. It's, like, giant mats of burlap with, like, grass woven into it and dyed, and so the whole stage just looks like a lawn. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super, super rad. And then the other thing, it's going to be very strange, because this week I'm going totally nuts, and then next week... The show is is done on Saturday, and then the week following, I have spring break. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I am just going to be working gangbusters, and then it's just going to stop. And I'm not even going to be at regular work. I'm just going to be on vacation for a week. Dude, that sounds which is crazy. Very exciting. I was going to say this. It does. So this week is probably not the week that we should record any bonus content for the show. Yeah, let's not do that <laughs> this week, but maybe next week. Actually, that and might be fun. <laughs> yeah, and then the other cool, the kind of the cool thing about doing theater. I mean, there's a bunch of cool things about doing theater. I really no, dig no, no, it. choose one. What is the but, one cool thing about doing theater, Dave? Well, uh, you know, growing the hearts and minds of the next generation of. Of, of people. Okay, cool. That's, so that's that is the, the one cool part, thing Matt. about theater. Dave, what is our fifth star of the week? So our fifth star of the week, Matt, is that I have more to say about our fourth star. <laughs> so don't don't mess up my groove. No, the, <laughs> the only... Theater does take a ton of time, and the nice thing about when it's over, as much as I do love doing it, is that then all of a sudden, the rest of the year, like the rest of the school year, is a total breeze. Because I've o- I'm only working, you know, the regular 38 hours a week. Right, right. It's like, oh, is that it? It's 5 o'clock, I'm home already? This is amazing. And plus you're in the home stretch, it's daylight savings, and so, like, you've got a full right. evening. It's a whole other yeah, world. Yeah, everything is just a whole other thing. Now, the other funny thing is, so this week is, is St. Patrick's Day weekend, Matt, which I just haven't done anything with because I've been watching Iron Fist. Sure. And I'm not a big St. Patrick's guy, any guy, day... I'm not a big St. Patrick's Day guy. There we go. That was terrible. But I got through it eventually. We did it together, Matt. As a team. And so, and so St. Patrick's Day weekend, for some reason, is Senior Skip Day. And I don't know if your school had Senior Skip Day, listeners, but it's just, it's exactly what it sounds like. All the seniors skip school on one day. And they are always very confused because I think they have it in their head that it's sort of like, oh, it's a wink and a nudge and it's senior skip day and we, the teachers, like, honor that somehow? Yeah, you know, I I think we talked about this last year, maybe, on uh, their senior skip day. But, like, that's not, like, it's not an official holiday. They just don't come to school. You're just truant. And I think the idea is, like, you can't catch all of us. Like, well, I don't need to catch you. I just mark you as absent. Yeah, well, this year... So what I do for my one of my theater courses is that in the second semester, we just do, in class, we do, the kids are, like, grouped up, and they perform two, like, short one-act plays per quarter, right? Okay. So, you know, they're sort of, like, diving in, doing stuff that's, like, a little bit more theatrically intense. But what that means is that there's only two grades for the whole quarter, and this past Friday was the last day of the third quarter. Uh-huh. And it was the last day that we were presenting, like, these scenes. And there were two kids who straight did not show up to school. And so they got zeros because they didn't do it. So so they're going to show up on Monday and they are going to say, I guarantee it. They are going to say, hey, uh, can we do our scenes? And I am going to say, no, you can't because you skipped school. And I was thinking about it, and I thought about, like, giving them some grace about it. And then I thought to myself, no, this, I think, is a good lesson for you to learn before you, like, go out into the world that you don't just get to skip your stuff and then decide you can do it later because you felt like it. So, yeah, kids, kids make bad decisions. (laughs) What? What is our fifth star of the week, Matt? 
Uh, fifth star of the week, Dave, is I, I had alluded it to it earlier, but this was, since it was St. Patrick's Day, we had our hashtag fun office, like, office party uh, for oh, yeah, St. Right Patrick's on. Day. And, like, it's in the middle of the day, and, like, it's not that fun of an office, so it's not like they had, like, beer and stuff for us at lunch, because, as I say, it's it's not that sort of office. But what we did have is, you know, we had lunch, which was mostly, like, mountains of corned beef and then other things for people who don't eat corned beef. Or any sort of beef. Um, and, you know, they, they brought in a band to play music for us. And they had sort of dancers set up some this games. Year? Any, no, first any of Irish all, dancers this year? What's up? And no Irish um, dancers this year? Very briefly, very briefly, some people in the band got up to do a quick dance. But it wasn't like us sitting there and watching Irish dancers for a half oh, an hour. Okay. Which... Uh, listeners, uh, if you want to go back to last year's St. Patrick's Day episode, you will hear the saga of that terrible, terrible office party. Uh, anyway, but this year they were like, no, nah, we're not going to do anything like that. And, but they just set up a bunch of games. And with, we have apparently a bunch of lawn games at the office sort of to set up in the warehouse for this kind of stuff or outside when it's nice, when we have like summer cookouts and stuff, which again, hashtag fun office happens occasionally. Right. But this time... We were playing a new game. They, they had the regular stuff set up. They had the, the game that is known by two sort of equally improbable names, which is both Bagos and Cornhole. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you know this game. It's, you, you have a beanbag. Yeah, I know. You have two teams with beanbags, and you toss them at, like, an angled surface with a hole in it. You try to get the beanbags in the holes. There's a sort of weirdly complicated scoring mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But today, uh, not today, this time, I was playing a different game that's sort of scored on the same weird way. But instead of throwing beanbags at each other, it is it is a game right. that is, at, at best, like, in, like, weirdly difficult and at most irresponsibly dangerous. Because what you are instead throwing <laughs> are two okay. golf clubs. Not golf clubs. Whoa. That would be a very different game. Two golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> that have been attached by like a, like a one foot length of rope. You just sort of like huck like a bolo at this like sort of like rack that looks like it. It's made out of PVC pipes and it looks like it ought to be used to like hang like sweaters on so they can dry because you don't want to put your sweaters in the dryer. Um, All right. By the way, don't put your sweaters yeah. in the dryer. It'll shrink them. It's true. Um, and, like, listen, this is not, like, a sort of out-of-the-world, like, crazy fun fifth star this week. But I played this game, and I thought it was going to be, like, as I say, kind of impossible. This game was fun as heck. And I do not have, like, the, the capacity to start drilling holes in golf balls to make golf ball bolos to continue to play this, like, on my own time. But if you ever see, if this is not just, like, a weird one-off thing that somebody came up with, if this game has, like, a name and you can find it somewhere, I recommend you play it. It's tons of fun. I don't necessarily recommend that you play it inside, because what we forgot is that we were playing on, like, a concrete surface and golf balls bounce like crazy. So every time one of us missed, which was a lot, we then had to go, like, scurrying mm. after these things. Because they're basically, like, like, two super balls that are tied to each other, just bouncing <laughs> across the straight. warehouse. Matt, this game is called Ladder Toss, and according to Wikipedia, the game was formerly known as Horsey Golf when it was first created. Horsey Golf, you say? That's uh, that's what Wikipedia and says. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. So did you just Google cornhole golf balls? Nope. Matt, what I Googled was tossing bolos on a rack game. <laughs> well, that does work. Yeah, no, it was the first thing that came up. It was a great Google search. It did exactly what I wanted. Nice. Got that Boolean stuff. Uh, anyway, that is it for the five stars of the week. Um, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 27 of Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. It is called The End of the Mighty Shogun. And we oh. will be right back. Ninja, ninja. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 27 of Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger, The End of the Mighty Shogun. Now, if you think that that title has anything to do with what happens in this episode, you are mistaken. Yeah, uh, Mighty Shogun is fine. 
so far as we know. As far as we know, he's, yeah, he's cool. So. Which makes me wonder why they named the episode that. Because they're, like, listen, uh, we're about to get into it. This is a weird episode. Like, yeah, it is. extremely weird episode. And there were a lot of things they probably could have called it. Why they chose it to call it the end of the Mighty Shogun when that has nothing to do with the episode almost makes me wonder if, like, they had named the... They had written out the names of all the episodes before they wrote the series. And then they got to this one and they wrote <laughs> the episode. And they were like, um, I mean, we already made up, like, the title card for it. Um, anyway, so let's let's get into it. And then you can draw your own conclusions. Yeah, so this is as... Okay, so we know that we've got Seikai Saizo and Jiraiya left. And if you remember from the previous episodes, Seikai and Saizo are off kind of on their quest for their scroll together, which I get kind of a kick out of because I feel like even the writers of the show recognize that neither Seikai or Saizo are kind of interesting enough to carry an episode all by themselves. Yeah, like, they don't really have a hook, except for the fact that, like, they're both kind of the comedy characters. And so they got thrown in this episode together, which makes sense, because, like, of the episodes sort of, like, in this run, of these, like, character-focused episodes, this is, like, the weird, like, goofy one. Yeah, everything else is... Yeah, partially. There's, like, a moment. Everything else is a lot more dramatic for these ones. But this is definitely... This is, like, the comedy episode. Although it is fun. It's a good episode. Oh, it's a really good episode. But it's, like... It's got some stuff you couldn't do with Sasuke. That, yeah. No, that's true. So we start off, and it's the two of them driving around in Nekamaru. And I guess they got Nekamaru when they all broke up because it's two of them. Like, I, I I don't really know, like, if they drew straws for, like, who got the car and who had to, like, tromp around in the woods by themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they're driving, and uh, Saizo is driving, and Seikai is ostensibly navigating. He's not actually navigating. No, because the thing that they're using to navigate, Dave, is that... Seikai is looking at the ancient scroll that they were given that shows the location of all of the hidden scrolls, which is weird because I, when we were first shown this scroll, there was only one of them. But I, this is at least the second one that we've seen because I know that Tsurikime also had this thing. Right. Yeah, I think we have to assume that there's more than one. But, but crucially, but... this is not a roadmap. This is like a painting. And so they're driving down the road and Seikai's like, go left, go right, as though he's, like, looking at, like, the Michelin, like, road map. Like, this is not Rand McNally's Atlas, dude. This is a painting. Yeah, although, and I was going to say, like, this can't possibly be, like, this map is crazy old. This can't possibly be of, like, any value anymore. But it's Japan? So it's very reasonable to assume that, like, maybe the road just has been there for, like, 500 years. That's entirely possible. Right. Like, the oldest, do you know this? The oldest hotel in the world is operating in Japan. It's still in operation, I think. And it has been operating continuously for, this is not a joke, like, 1,200 years. Wow. I mean, I believe it. I do believe it. So, like, yeah, Yeah. maybe this road, like, maybe it's not as unreasonable as it seems. I mean, obviously, like, it seems like a joke, but at least it's marginally plausible. Right. So, they are, they're driving down the road, Seikai is navigating, but he's, again, he's not actually navigating. He's having, like, a little picnic in the back, like, vaguely paying attention to this map. And Saizo says, like, "Uh, hey, where do I go? And Seikai picks up the map, clearly has not been looking at it, and just says... Left. Uh, no, wait. No, right. No, left. No, right. And then Saizo kind of flips out and he takes a turn. He takes it really hard. And they have like a very gentle crash. As they are crashing, it does pan us over to Seikai, who we see saves his picnic basket. His picnic basket. And then, all of a sudden, um, our dudes are just fighting Young Noble Jr. in a field. Yep. There is no yeah, transition. Yeah, they just jump... Yeah, there's nothing. It's literally 
it's a smash cut and they're fighting. Like, I had and to Young rewind Noble Jr. To... says, "Yeah." Like I just had to rewind to make sure that like I didn't miss something that I had like looked away to take some notes. You know what, Matt? I thought about doing that, but then I thought, no. No, like I was looking at it when it switched, so I wasn't afraid that I missed something. And I was like, was there a glitch in my DVD? For like a hot second, just for like a moment. I was like, surely, surely this time there's some error. And I've just, you know, they skipped a bit. No, there's just, there's nothing. No, and like, I don't, I can't imagine that they shoot a lot of this show that doesn't make it into the final edit. But like, there has to have been a cut scene here, right? Because, like, not only are they fighting Young Noble Jr. and a bunch of Doradoras, but they've also transformed and are, like, super hengate in, in the middle of, like, a jump attack when the scene cuts. Man, I just... No, I don't think so, Matt. I think probably not. I think that's just what they did. And so Young Noble Jr. says, this is it. This is, like, the end of the line for you finding these hidden ninja scrolls. And then, out of nowhere... There's spectral laughter, and the wind kicks up, and everything goes dark. And Young Noble Jr. looks up, and he says, Nue? And we find out that Nue is a super crazy yokai that originally had the head of a monkey, the body of a raccoon, the tail of a snake, and the legs of a tiger. And it used to terrorize Kyoto. And we know this because... I think that at this point in the show, I had heard um, from some listeners, Dave, that the narrator only exists in part one of the show. Like, I don't know if he's coming back. And so at this point, every time somebody gets introduced, because they still have to, like, put that bit in, like... Right. So Young Noble Jr. is just playing the part of the narrator here, and one of the Dorodoros, like, produces a picture, like like the narrator used to have, like this old painting of Nue. It's great. Yeah, it's a pretty killer moment. So Nue arrives and we find out that he is different now. And he is no longer, what was it? Head of a monkey, body of a raccoon, tail of a snake, legs of a tiger. He is now an eagle snake lion tiger. Yes. With the power and persistence of a tiger. Um, yeah. Dude, and he still does have, like, sort of a, like, some monkey traits on his face. He's got sort of, like, that baboon coloring on his face, even though it's not, like, Oh, yeah, a I guess face. he does. He's, like, dude, Nui looks great. He's one of those monsters yeah, that... And they can't, they can't do this every week, right? Because it would get old, and also, like, you need to have those big bulky ones sometimes. But Nui is one of those monsters that's very sort of, like, it's a form-fitting monster suit and he just looks slick he looks great yeah he's a handsome he boy he does he looks like a cra- he does he looks like an anim- like an animal monster you know what i mean he looks like in so far as like a dude in a giant rubber suit can look sleek and powerful Nui looks sleek and powerful it's very cool yeah so when he but when he shows up he just does like a giant blast like even young noble jr gets blasted because Nui is not real discriminating so the first thing that he does is he appears and then just for fun, he just blasts some Doradoras. He just like eye blasts them and explodes them. Well, what There's happens, no explanation. He, no, I, I think there is an explanation because uh, Young Double Jr. was talking about how Nui used to look and he shows up. He's like, that was the old me. This is me now. And he zaps oh, the Dorodoro right. who was holding his old picture and then he rips the picture in half. He's like, you got it. It's different now. I'm cool. Which is a weird... That's... Uh, yeah. So, okay. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a nerd, and now he's, like, ripped. And so he does not want to be reminded that he was a nerd. So, right, what like he says... Right, coming at you. Ha <laughs> I hope Carrot doesn't listen... Carrot Top doesn't listen to the show. Because I would not want that dude to come after me. He's a big no. man. Um, so, what Nue says to Young Noble Jr., he says, Listen, Daimu is not satisfied with your progress... These Kaka Rangers are finding their hidden scrolls. You're in trouble. Young Noble Jr. is pissed. He's like, how dare you? Do you know who I am? And then, but they're not going to fight right now because the Kaka Rangers are right there. And then this is a rad move. Nui turns around and he like blasts. His head is like an eagle head. But again, 
It's like he's got like an eagle headdress more. Yeah, he's got but like, his headdress, a, like, like a human face with baboon coloring with an eagle headdress. Yeah, and so the headdress glows and like launches, shoots laser beams at the Cucker Rangers. And then when the ra- laser beams fade away, what we find out is they're like energy feather daggers, like Archangel style. Yeah, dude. It's a slick move. It's a cool, cool move. I mean, Archangel had like, you know, fleshettes with neurotoxin on them, but it's very similar. Yeah, yeah. Neurotoxin, Dave. Archangel rules. Dude, I'm actually, I'm super into Archangel, although I'm not a giant fan of the extraordinary X-Men, like what they've been doing with him since. Anyways, that's a different conversation. Probably a different podcast. So here's what he does. Yeah. So so he launches laser feathers at them, which is rad. And then he blasts them with like... No, 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 that's right. They just start glowing because of, like, the energy feathers. And he says, I'm turning you guys into yokai. Yeah, the yokai domination has begun. Yeah, this is amazing. So when the energy fades, they now have, like, crazy red hair. And at first it looks like hats. We found out it's not a hat, like a round hat. It's eggs because he's turned them into kappa. Okay, Dave, I looked this up. They're not eggs. Here's the deal oh. with Kappa. Oh, okay. Kappa have a spot on the top of their head that is like hairless and like perpetually damp. And like okay. sometimes it is like a sort of like a little pool in which like water rests. Or sometimes it's just like, you know, like a fleshy area that's always like wet. But that is sort of like okay. where their power comes from. And if it gets dried out, then they lose their power and they can die. Got it. Which I okay. think actually, I don't know where the egg thing came from. And they look sort of like eggs. Yeah. Um. Actually, which reminds me, in the very first episode of Kaka Ranger, they fought a the yokai they fought then was a kappa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kappa was Rokurokubi. And he had to like wear this hat all the time, and I wonder if that's why he was like guarding his little like wet spot. Oh, that would make sense. Anyway, so that is. The, the only reason I've gotten into this much detail on it is it's actually sort of an important plot point as we continue through the episode. Right. So he has turned them into Kappa, and he says, not only have I turned you into Kappa, I have turned you into the worst kind of Kappa, by which I think he just means, like... Like, Kappa are like the, the worst lowest. Yokai. Yeah, they're the worst, and I have maybe turned you into, like, the worst version of possible version of a kappa it's not totally clear but in any case like he didn't transform them into a cool yokai yeah that is yes that is correct so, so like they try to take like the head things off as though because like they think they're like hats that have gotten put on them but they're not hats like that's just like part of their head now right and there is a moment of like uh body horror i guess where they realize what has happened to them and are very, very... Which is totally, you know, I would be. So... Oh, and then Nui makes all the Dorodoros dance in a big circle around them. Yeah, and sing. He says dance and sing. It's a very weird moment. Actually, even Young Noble Jr. thinks it's a weird moment because he just he just gives Nui a look and he's like, eh, no, this is... You're weird. I'm not sure what you're doing here. <laughs> right. And then he just... He just ghosts. He just teleports away. He has. He wants nothing to do with this strangeness. So, so Sasuke and Saizo are, like, obviously freaked out. And they just sort of, like, break through the circle of Dorodoros and they run away and just start, like, bolting through the woods. Right. So the next thing we see is that it's they have just sort of finished running and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I, I'm really thirsty and I'm scared of the sun. And I think Seikai maybe remembers because they're by a little pond area. He goes... And he gets some water, like, in a rag, and he drips it on Saizo's head and then his own. And they're like, oh, man, I feel so much better, re-energized. And then they start freaking out a little bit. And then they turn green, and they get monster hands. They get kappa hands. Yeah, like webbed finger, like weird turtle man hands. Right. And so they obviously are super embarrassed. And they're looking at each other, they're like, what do we do? This is terrible. Like, how are we going to turn back? Like, we got to figure this out. And they hear Nui's voice, and Nui says, listen, here's the deal. There is a way for you to turn back into humans. And for a moment, I was like, really? Why would you even tell them this, Nui? And then we find, then he immediately says, 
the only way that one of them will get to be human is if they fight to the death and the winner will turn back into a human. Right. But like, that's, the, that's the deal. Yeah, they have two hours. And like, that's all. Yeah, and like once they've fully turned in, like at the end of two hours, they will have fully turned into Kappa. And once that happens, they will be Kappa forever. Yeah, and Nui's point in all of this is to prove to them that humans always betray each other. He said, I think Nui is trying to establish like some moral, he wants to establish like a moral high ground somehow. It's like, you say we yokai are monsters, but you're also terrible, so it's okay if we kill you all? I'm not sure. Anyway, have fun murdering each other. can fathom the mind other. of a yokai? I'm out. Yeah. So they're very upset by this, and it's at this point that they also get like big like beaks on their faces. Yeah, like big turtle turtle beaks. It's it's weird. It also so what it, se- it makes it very difficult for the rest of the episode to figure out what they are saying and what they are thinking to themselves because you can't see their mouths move. Yeah, and like their whole faces, like all you can really see is their eyes, and even that you can only sort of see because they have the crazy hair. So. They realize, though, maybe, maybe the scrolls can help us. Maybe if we find, like, the secret hidden scrolls, like, it, the somehow, like, the ninja magic will fix us. Somehow. Which, I mean, sure, why not, right? Yeah, yeah, great. So, they kind of, they follow the map, and they're not totally sure, but they show up outside of this town, and they say, Oh, no, because the scrolls used to be on a hill, and they, like, bulldozed the hill to make this town. Right. They they have, you know, they have paved paradise and put up a parking lot. And underneath yeah. that parking lot are two hidden ninja scrolls. Yeah. So they're like, well, we got to go into town, but we're Kappa now. But they don't, like, they're worried about being Kappa, but they do just kind of run into town. So. Which is weird, but it's not as weird as how the townspeople react to them. Yeah. So, okay, so, well, they don't see them yet. So they are in town, Seikai and Saizo, SNS. They're in town, they're sneaking around, trying not to be seen at least. So that makes sense. And they're sort of like whispering for this scroll, like, Ninja Scroll, please, please help us. We're here, come find us and help us. Please, this is horrible. This is, we're, this is terrible. But nothing happens. And they eventually kind of start to freak out. So they just run out into the open. Remind you, remind you, mind you, pay attention to this. They are full on, not quite actually, but they are basically like 90% Kappa at this point. And the townspeople, this the people that are there, I don't want to say townspeople, it makes it sound like a much more provincial town. This is like a city. Do not react at all except to make fun of them. Right, like, they run out, and as... So, at this point, they've sort of gotten desperate, and they're just, like, clawing at the ground to be like, please, maybe there's a ninja scroll under here. And at this point, the backs of their shirts tear open, and now they have turtle shells on their backs, right? So, yeah, that's the only reason I said that they weren't fully copper before, because now they fully are, because they've got the shells. And then the people see them, and they see the shells emerge, and they're like, oh, these are copper. And they start, like, circling around them, pointing and laughing and, like, kind of kicking at them a little bit. Yeah, which, okay, had the whole other, I mean, this is classic, right? Had everything else in the whole this Sentai series not happened, this would make at least a little more sense. Because we could assume that they thought that it was... You know, people in a wacky costume or something. Or maybe they just really think that Kappas are like, you know, they are real, but you don't really see them. And when you do, you can kind of make fun of them because Kappas suck. Like, maybe that's just a thing. But again, this is episode 27. In the first episode, a giant Kappa destroyed buildings in what I can only assume was Tokyo. So, like, when you see Kappas now, you ought not think, oh, look at these, like, laughable turtle men. You should think, I, I should probably get in my car and drive away as quickly as I can. Yeah. 
Because that Kappa is trying to turn into a giant with his squidhead wife and maybe destroy this town. But they don't do that. They just laugh and kick at the Kappa. So, SNS run away. They're like, this is terrible, but we can't hurt these people because, of course, we're heroes. So they run away. And they kind of find themselves in this little alcove. And I, I'm pretty sure that we've seen this exact same space in Die Ranger. Yes, I think that this alcove, now that you mention it, is the spot where they first were... Um, Shoji first encountered Kabuki Boy when Kabuki Boy was in the cop's body? It might be that, or I think a scene between Ryu and Jin takes place in this spot. Possibly. I'm not better. totally sure about that. So anyways, Nui, they hear Nui laughing. This sort of spectral laugh again. And he says, well, this is it. You guys are running out of time. You guys going to fight to the death so that one of you becomes a human? Or what? What's going on? Are you going to do it? And then So they're, they're back to back. Well, they're shell to shell. So they're shell to shell. And Saizo kind of like looks a little bit over his shoulder. And Seikai also looks a little bit over his shoulder. And they're looking a little bit squirrely. Right, because like they're friends, but like you know, what if what if the other one turns? This is this right. is an, an extreme situation. And then yeah. Sekai reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a kind of big knife. It's pretty, yeah. It's not like a knife, but it's a knife. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is a very good way to put it. Yeah. Like, Paul so, Hogan would not be impressed, but you could do some damage. Right. So, they, he, like, just, he pulls this knife, and he attacks him. Say, sorry, Seikai attacks Saizo, and Saizo, like, they tussle for a minute, and Saizo manages to disarm him, all the while saying, like, Seikai, like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? And Seikai, he says it really quickly, but he says, no, like, you should just stab, like, you kill me, and then you'll at least get to be a human. Okay, this is the problem with those beak masks, because I don't think he's saying that out loud. I think he's only thinking that. Oh, hmm, yeah, that could be. Because what he then does is he picks up a rock, and he rushes forward as though he is going to try to, like, kill Saizo with it. Right, but, okay? like, his arms are above his head, he's, like, wide open. Like, he's just coming at him threateningly. Saizo has the knife, and in his head, he's like, okay, my friend will kill me, and that's going to be bad. But then at least he'll get to be a human, and he can go back to being a cocky ranger and, like, live the rest of his life. But right. Saizo isn't willing to kill Seikai. And so Seikai just cracks him at, like, because this is the action that he would, like, you know, put himself Committed on. to. Like, and, you know, he was trying to really sell it. He was actually, like, mid-swing and just cracks Saizo on the top of the head with this rock. So this is one of the actually solid moments in this episode. It's kind of heartwarming. We see the relationship between these two characters because Seikai kind of picks Saizo up and starts crying and he like cries and the water from his tears drips onto Saizo's head and that is enough water to like re-energize Saizo, I guess. Yeah, so, like, he gets back up, but, like, he's, you can tell he's still sort of hurt. And they, they're, they like, hugging each other and Seikai saying, like, listen, I wanted you to kill me so that then you could go back to being a human. And Saizo's just like, you idiot. Like, no, of course I'm not going to kill you. Like, we're friends. We're going to be, like, we're going to be, like, friends to the end. Like, even if we're kappas for the rest of our lives. It's a good, it's a cool moment. It's good. It's just a solid, dude, I, I love a solid moment. You know I love. Yeah. You know I love hanging out with friends, and you know what I love when friends hang out. And these are two good dudes doing it right. So they're like, okay, well, obviously we're not going to kill each other. So I guess we'll just have to go try and find Nui and kill that dude, and then maybe we'll turn back. So they run out into like a larger area. Nui appears. The fight begins, and this is a this is a fantastic moment. Because as they start fighting, we pan over off into, like, another little covered structure off to the side. And Young Noble Jr. and a bunch of Dorodoros appear. And they just go sit down and to watch. Like, yeah. they don't literally pull out popcorn, but... 
But like, if the Doro Doros had like functioning, like if those costumes had functioning mouths, they would be carrying popcorn. Yeah. And so, like, so they're there's... going back and forth with this fight, and Saizo and Seikai are not having a good time of it because they've gotten transformed into Kappas, and the Kappas they got transformed into are terrible. So they keep trying to do like their cool ninja stuff, but Nui just keeps knocking them away. Yeah. So they are they are super losing this fight. Like they're getting they're getting wrecked. There's this great moment in the fight where they go to start throwing shuriken at Nui. And if you've ever watched the show, when they do the shuriken, they've got this sort of motion where like they keep all the shuriken in the left hand. And then the right hand just sort of keeps going back and forth. And they go like, sure, 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 sure. And there's like some yeah. like graphics that appear on the screen. We complained about it early on in the show. Now I've grown to sort of love it. Yeah, I'm a little more into it, actually. Especially now, because when Sasuke, not Sasuke, when Saizo and... Hold on a second. How many... There are too many S names in these shows. So it's when Seikai and Saizo... Okay, there we go. Yes, I'm back on track. You got it. I almost said like Sasuke and Shoji, which there listen, I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. We can just move on from this now. I just needed to be honest where, with where I was in that moment. So when Seikai <laughs> and Saizo throw the there shuriken, the Dorodoro sort of like in the bleachers are like miming that motion and like doing the sound themselves because they're cheering them on. It's amazing. So the shuriken don't do anything, but they throw some caltrops out and that kind of works. It looks like Nue is maybe a little bit on the ropes for a hot second. And then he immediately recovers and does some sort of like crazy energy blast well, on he the... He summons a sword kind of out of nowhere and hits the two oh, of them right. as they're like trying to attack. Yeah. So he just like he mega blasts Sasuke and Sa- or Seikai and Saizo. They go See, down. It's tricky. It is. When they go down, we flash back over to the Dorodoros who are super sad. All the Dorodoros stand up and teleport. And we see as they have teleported over to a fountain. And they run back and splash water on Seikai and Saizo. To, like, revive them. Which is great. Like, they get up and yeah. they do a little pose. They're like, yes, we are re-energized. Yeah, and this is my other... This is my other sort of, like, great moment for this episode. That the Dorodoros... Like, yeah, it's the Kaka Rangers, but, like, they're Kappa. And they're like, no, this is great! You know, because Nui's a jerk or something. Right. Well, well, we'll get a so, little more explanation in a second. But yeah. the... Uh, so... The, our, our heroes are standing again, and now yep. they're all energized, and Nui is sort of caught off guard. So they run and do, like, a double flying jump kick and, like, catch him off guard and knock him down. When he gets knocked down, there's sort of, like, this glowing sigil on his arm that has been the source of a lot of his, like, more impressive powers. That yep. glows, and, like, the, the plates on top of... Seikai and Saizo's heads like crack in half and fall off and then they sort of like shimmer for a second and they're back to being humans. They are no longer Kappa. And Nui yeah. is furious. Young Noble Jr. runs over and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I guess even uh, even like the lowest of worms can make a difference because you transformed these two Kaku Rangers into the lowest of Kappas. The Dorodoros yeah. are the lowest in the hierarchy of the yokai. And so when they saw that, like, they all of a sudden started empathizing with this du- with these dudes, and they decided right. to help. Yeah, so somehow, I don't know, hoisted by your own petard, I guess? I also really love that Young Noble Jr. just, like, let them do it. Like, he was sitting there sort of smiling as they were helping the Kaka Rangers. Because Nui showed up and was like, yeah, Young Noble Jr., you suck. I'm the new dude. And so Young Noble Jr.'s like, no, forget this guy. Like, nah. go suck a lemon. <laughs> um, oh, it is worth noting, just so we know that Nue is, like, even a jerk among other yokai, he totally kills all those Dorodoros. Oh, yeah. 
And the Cocker Rangers are furious. And they're just about to get into a fight. And Nui is like turning to attack Seikai and Saizo. When all of a sudden you hear the great booming voice of Muteki Shogun. And you look up and he says, Muteki Shogun is here. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Muteki Shogun is just standing there. And Nui is like, yep. well, I guess it's giant time now. <laughs> yeah, so he just turns into a giant. And, you know, like... He swats at Seikai and Saizo, who, you know, dodge out of the way. Oh, dude, but they're not really part of this fight. Not for this moment, but there's this a really great shot where um, it's just a sort of a clever camera trick because they're on the ground, right? And Nue, with his giant hand, is sort of reaching down to scoop them up and toss them. And yeah. the way they cut it with, like, the hand in front of them, and then as soon as, like, the hand goes past where they are... It's sort of like doing a jump cut, but like a good version of it. And they're just not there anymore. So it looks like he's like reached down and tossed them. It's yeah, it, it's a very it's, small moment, but I liked it enough that I put him in my notes. Yeah. So now Nui is again, Nui is giant. Muteki Shogun is here. And we get a quick fight between Nui and Muteki Shogun. And it's, it's a little bit back and forth. They each get in one or two good licks. And then Nui, like... He reaches his hand back and forms what seems to be some kind of energy whip that he attacks Muteki Shogun with. And then it re-solidifies. And what we see is that it's not a whip. It is his snake tail that I guess he was just, like, he had, but wasn't using. But he had it. Right. So sort of now Muteki Shogun. Form. Yeah. So now Muteki Shogun is all kind of, like, bound up in this constrictor snake Snake. Energy snake. Monster energy snake. Sure. That sounds like a drink. So he can't really fight back. So yeah, they have a couple more attacks, and then Muteki Shogun just ghosts. Like, he just disappears. Well, this seems to be Muteki Shogun's, like, sort of final defense, is that if it's... Muteki Shogun recognizes that discretion is the better part of Valor. Like, he just says, like, well, I'm losing this one. And I gotta be around for later, so Muteki Shogun out! So he disappears. Right. So now, now it's just Seikai and Saizo versus, versus Giant Nubei. Which is not a great spot to be in. But, like, they're trying to be valiant, and they shoot some Kaku lasers at him. And then, from underneath the ground, one of them sort of bursts through the, like, pavement of the square that they were in earlier, and the other one just, like, pops up out of the manhole, so I guess it was just, like, chilling in the sewer, is the two hidden ninja scrolls. Yeah, they're just... They were just there, which, again, guys, had you showed up earlier, that would have made everybody's life way more convenient, but they didn't. Hey, listen, ninja scrolls know the value of a good dramatic entrance. So... (laughs) So... Now they have their ninja scrolls and they summon God Logan and God Kumard. Which are great. I mean, they look like the sort of uh, zords that you thought these two were going to have in the beginning. Like it's a giant wolf and a giant bear. Yeah, they definitely look like just a million times cooler, I think, than the god generals, honestly. Um... I think they've got their own sort of deals, but yeah, these, especially for like a wolf and bear thing, respectively, like it's cool to have something that more resembles that thing. Yeah. So they, they get up into the God generals. I don't know. God Kumard and God Logan. And New Ace is like, how is this even, how are you still doing this? Like you should have died. And they say, despair does nothing to us. We train to fight and never lose hope. Which, man, okay, I I dig super hard the consistent message of the Sentai series that what really differentiates the this, this Super Sentai is that they just, like, they're like, we never, ever give up. Like, we keep trying and keep trying and we never give up hope. And it's just like a... Man, that's like a great thing. That's a great message to put out in a kid's show. It, I just It really is. Like, there's no jokes about that. I just genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, and anytime it comes up, like, there are, like, I will be occasionally, like, moved by this television show. And, like, 
at least 50% of the time, it's in moments like this. Yeah. So then, then the fight is really on. So God Logan is like up on top of a building and then it like turns into energy and the energy like jumps down onto a bridge. It's real cool looking. And then we see God Logan like running across the bridge and God Kumard is not very agile because I guess because he's a bear, but he's kind of tromping along. God Logan drops the sickest attack I think we've seen in this entire show. Because what it, what we see is that, like God Logan just jumps, and then we see the God Logan toy that they're using in the show just start like <laughs> spinning through the air. And at first I was like, what? Why is he? Why is this giant wolf robot doing flips? And what we find out is that God Logan's tail is like a giant sword. And so he's flipping himself around so he can do like a mid-air slash with his tail sword. It's great. And also God Logan is blue. So it's kind of like Sonic attacking. It's yeah, it's pretty rad. And then God Kumard just starts like jumping, like kind of like bouncing back and forth on his front two paws. And he has some sort of an earthquake attack, which does not seem super responsible to do in the middle of a city. No, it does not. That is also in my notes. Uh, But what happens is that it opens up this big crack in the ground. um, Nui falls in and then that crack seals back up. So I have to assume, and I'm trying to give Seikai the benefit of the doubt here, that the earthquake powers are controlled enough that he can do it without, like, toppling the city. Yeah. Well, I mean, the city still seems to be there at the end, so like, we have to assume that, that that's the case. But this is really this is really key. So it just, yeah, he falls, Nui falls in, and then, you know, that's kind of the end of, of him. We cut away... And Sasuke and Saizo are, like, up on the cliff that we saw them on earlier, over the town. They're super stoked. They're like, we, we did it! I think even Seikai and Saizo, I said Sasuke before, I just noticed that. Even Seikai and Saizo seem excited and maybe, like, the tiniest bit surprised that they managed to do this without anybody else's help. Which actually makes sense, because I'm remembering back on the scene where they were all splitting up. And uh, Seikai, in that moment, was like, I'm not sure that I can do this, but I'm going to give it my best. Yeah, so, oh, that's, man, I had totally forgotten about it. I said yes reflexively, but then when he said it, that makes a ton of sense. So this really is a, a pretty cool moment for these two characters. So and they start shouting they kind for of... Jiraiya, because like, Jiraiya, you're the only one left who needs to get their hidden scroll. I don't know how they know this, because it's not like they've been talking. Well, maybe the Hengis have some, or the Henge, the Doran Chargers have some sort of, like, communication oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I think Actually, we've established we, we that before. They do. Never mind. And then, before the episode ends, we see some, we hear Nui's laughter or groans or something, and some steam starts shooting up from underground. So, clearly, Nui is not actually dead. He's just like, buried alive. Right. And I'm sure that we are going to see this dude later on. They, they don't spend that much time putting together that cool of a suit to not show another episode. Yeah, I'm going to say, this dude is definitely not a one-episode one monster. Um, but, but then that's the end of the episode. Yeah, that means that we don't have anybody to put on the Creature Royale. So, in lieu of that, Dave, do you have any sort of final thoughts on this episode? Or do you think we've sort of, sort of covered it? No, the one thing I I really dig about this episode is that it does give us at least a little bit more insight into what's going on with the yokai, that these are not all single-minded monsters that are all kind of working together, that there is dissension in the ranks of the yokai. I just dig that. I think it's a fun thing because it kind of deepens the... It deepens the concepts of the villain. just makes the whole show more interesting. So I'm glad that we are getting that from Cocker Ranger. Yeah. Anything from you? Um, just a moment that we didn't talk about, which was when Muteki Shogun arrives out of nowhere. Like, everyone is still small-sized. Muteki Shogun just sort of, like, fades into view. And Nue is like, oh, it's time for me to fight. Young Double Jr. in that moment just sort of, like, looks at Muteki Shogun, grabs his electric guitar, like, turns around and swings the guitar over his head and disappears. He's like, no, man, I'm out. You get to deal with this. Like, you felt so good about your chances. Uh, This is your job now. I'm gonna go play the piano for a while. Mournfully. Later.
Uh, and it was great. And I just wanted to really give that moment its due. But Dave, I think that that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocker Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, there are were a few people who gave us new uh, ratings recently. Uh, and oh, thank thanks, you guys. very much for that. It means a lot. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you want to catch any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.